What's up, Awakened Human? I'm your host, Angel, and you're listening to Lit Up For Life, the podcast. I'm on a journey to discover what truly lights us up, to bring you everything you could ever want to know about building ecstatic confidence and truly soulful self-esteem. I'm here to gather and share all the practical tools and support you need to awaken the fun and free force of nature that you were born to be. Let's go deep. What's up, beautiful awakened humans? So for episode two, I spoke really candidly with Munda Simone, who's actually also a good friend of mine. And our conversation sparked a ton of new insights in me. It made me laugh and also gave me a few sets of good goosebumps too. Moon is a spiritual and meditation teacher, a transformational coach whose teachings combine tantric Buddhism, meditation, mindfulness, contemplative psychotherapy, breathwork, and hatha yoga. And she distills all of her expertise into really grounded, practical wisdom. So sit back, buckle up, and blast off with us as we muse on life, spirituality, and how to navigate it all. Hi, Queen. How are you? Hi, my love. I am so good. How are you? I'm excited. I, I do think we could have imagined when we met some years ago that here we would be. You know, there's a part of me that I didn't know, obviously, the exact, like, I'm going to be recording a podcast for you, with you, but there was always a part of me that was like, there's something about this girl, this woman, this this being that I'm like, I always wanted to like know more and be close to you. So it's happening and it's so exciting. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah, I felt that when I met you. I was like, I've known this woman before. Like yeah. I've known you. Yeah. So I want to kick it off, Queen, by asking you, I mean, we did the how are you's, but like the real, not the token one, but the really truly like what's going on inside of you right now? Mm. Yeah. It's a beautiful question. I am in this very moment, I feel very emotional and I feel quite um, tender and open, but also like really present and inspired. This last few days have been very eye-opening and I've had incredible sessions with my clients and this new program that I'm launching. I'm, I'm discovering so much while launching in a you know, receiving the applications and the potential that I've been experiencing as opening myself up even more to sisters and to friends and to my community and how that feedback, not only at the moment, how it affects me, but how I'm noticing the ripples from that. It's been, it's been incredible. I actually got home yesterday and I did a mask. I was like, oh, I'm going to do a mask and put the groceries away and listen to my book. Sounds great. And as I went to get the mask, I just started like crying and I'm like, okay. And there was a part of me that was like wanting to put a label to it. It's like, oh, stop crying. Why are you crying? And I just like allow that to feel what it was and just receive, okay, I'm feeling very emotional. There's a lot going on. And it was such a liberating thing not to make it so good or so bad, but just accept and allow the emotion. And I, I'm feeling quite like, oh, wow, I'm wide open. And it's it's exciting. 
yeah mm, long gosh. answer to your question is to say that <laughs> no it's beautiful there are like a few things coming to mind that I want to like pull on the threads of and there are two things the first thing is you kind of touched on the simultaneous or the parallel narratives one being the spiritual teacher and leader and community leader that leader that you are mm. and two also like being on your own healing spiritual journey and your journey of sisterhood and it sounds like the interplay between those two narratives so I want to tug on that thread and I also want to tug on the thread of what you were sharing about how you have found this spaciousness inside of yourself that allows you to feel a big feeling and I mean these aren't your words but like crying for some of us can feel quote unquote uncomfortable but your ability to find the the pleasure almost in it or the spaciousness like mm. say more about that and whichever of those two resonates more with you like pull on whichever thread I you think prefer. yes I mean bless I love that this is this is um where we're going um what feels very close now is the the idea of um the emotion you know I was actually just speaking to a client right before our session and she's just like I'm feeling like I want to cry and laugh a lot throughout the day and sometimes I'm trying to label it or like I said, I make it good or try to try to define it or try to put it in a category instead of just like, okay, this is an emotion. It is passing by me. And I think when we loosen that grip a little bit of like, is this good? Is this bad? Which is such a pattern of our duality of this conditioned mind to say, this is good. This is bad or right or wrong more or less instead of like, oh, I'm experiencing this. There's a layer of acceptance that you're like, oh, and then it sort of dissolves and it loses this oh, grip, which then what I have experienced, especially from the crying, was that I feel much more available and open. And then it's like, oh, wow, mm. there's so much potential. Like there's light, there's beauty that I hadn't seen before. And I think it, it does show up in many ways when we are experiencing emotions instead of feeling overtaken by them and so quickly to label the practice comes into like, okay, a part of me is experiencing this, or I couldn't even label it, but let me just like be with it for a moment and know that it is temporary and use the tools, which for me, when I was mentioning about the crying was just to be with it and not try to put a label or say, stay, go away, you know, which is, you know, I've, I've, I used to do that in the past. It was like, I grew up like, I do not cry. I'm extremely strong. I am mm. so brave, so strong. Don't cry. And then it was like, oh, my God, there's so much. It's almost like I had to catch up with the amount of tears that I needed to cry. And then this past few years, the deeper levels of integration, I'm like, oh, it's it's an emotion. And it passes. So it's, it's always such an interesting thing to be so close to yourself in, in this experience, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that I will just mention when you're talking about the aspect of like sisterhood and interplay of like having my own healing incredible expansion journey and also being a teacher and being a coach and how those two are constantly sort of navigating together and it's interesting because um we never really will arrive at a place that we're like well okay well i've healed everything i've taken care of everything i've cleaned the entire house i am done it's an illusion. So it's just, it's like I take a few steps ahead and then I teach on those last few steps, essentially. You know what I mean? It's almost like mm. there's this constant um, 
growth. And there's always a, an exchange, especially when I'm like with a client, there's a constant exchange, like t- teacher, student, teacher, student that happens because I am in the practice of always being open to what's my lesson here? What is this here to serve me? How can I exercise more patience, more acceptance, more trust in this very moment? So I'm, you know, dedicated to choosing to learn in every moment, even if in the moment it feels really sticky and really crunchy, as my brother likes to say, I'm like, oh, this is so crunchy. And at the moment, I'm like, can you just go away? But if we can just allow it and essentially trust, really, you know, trust is such a big word that gets thrown around, but it is like, I'm accepting this will pass because it does. Um, And just to mention what you mentioned about what you pulled on the aspect of sisterhood and community, you know, there's a beautiful story that the Buddha shares that uh, Ananda, one of his main disciples, you know, went up to him and said, oh, like, how important is the Sangha, is the community? You know, I'm just trying to, like, understand. And the Buddha said, the Sangha is the path, is mm-hmm. the practice. And I think it's, we think this is such an individual path because we are obviously individuals, but there's a powerful thing that happens when you allow yourself to be witnessed, to be seen, to be heard, and to be, celebrated and to be embraced and um to share so vulnerably from that place you know we grow so much from relationships so that's really what i was reflecting on um allowing myself to open and receive the reflections and to be celebrated receive really is a big one for me honestly personally it's like receiving the powerful reflection or receiving the insight or just receiving the love and being seen and held and um, we just mm. grow, something really happens. And of course, we're reminded that we're truly deeply interconnected, that we're not meant to do any of this alone, because we're not. It's just not the natural way of the human life, you know? No, we're social of, mammals. Exactly. Like all of us are here because two people decided that they wanted to do something. And then, haha, here's a baby. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm. And yeah. Yeah. I love, I love all of that. Thank you, sister. And I, I mm. was really, there are a few things that st- stuck out to me and I loved, um, hearing you share around that dance between, uh, I think you said, you know, you're in the crunchiness and you learning and you're so present to the practice and the learning that you take a few steps and then you're teaching about the steps kind of, kind of just after you've taken them. And I think that's a really important thing to highlight for people. Cause I don't know if people are aware of that, it, it might feel like to other people when you see someone like you who's so embodied, mm. um, so in their mastery that like, well, they must just like know it all. And so it's so refreshing to hear you share so vulnerably that it's not that you know it all. It's in actually just that you're so willing to learn it all and that you're so present and engaged in the practice and the learning as a student. And that is what makes you a great teacher. So mm. I just really, really loved hearing you share about that. And I know we were sitting uh, on some sofas under some treetops last <laughs> weekend yes. musing. And I remember something you said, and it really stuck with me. And you were saying, you know, in sisterhood, in sangha community, as you're sharing about, we're like, I loved the phrase you said, we're like in the blender with the mm-hmm. sisters, like in the crunchiness. And then we stay with the practice. You stay present as you're talking about. And then when you're out of the blender, it's like, we talk about it, we teach about it. So I just wanted to share that other tidbit from you that I found fantastic. (laughs) Thank you, Uh, my love. Yes. So I also wanted to ask, you know, I'm hearing about your process and how you're navigating uh, life. There is a lot of uncertainty, like crunchiness, I guess is another Mm -hmm. way of saying that for everyone right now, like Mm -hmm. the state of the world. And I just wanted to ask, 
was there ever a time for you, whether it's now or maybe it was another time in your life that you experienced really great uncertainty and and how do how did you navigate that like i'm hearing you talk about how the the tools and the capacity to sit with these emotions without labeling them and i feel like uncertainty for a lot of people is a really big one right now and so i wondered if you could speak to that a little yeah i'm i'm so glad that we're talking about this and um everything is so uncertain and i think that there's a part of us that always knew that uncertainty is just what's happening you know like the only certain thing that we know is that things are changing and due to the current state of our country and the world really with everything that's been happening um this is really being brought up to like it's on our faces all the time like there's a huge level of uncertainty and you know we're looking up to people for answers and they don't have the answers and we don't know what is happening and in regards to uncertainty um I think the biggest time that I have experienced deep uncertainty and deep crunchiness that I was feeling very shaky was really last year that I um, relocated to Florida to stay to be with my parents in June because my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I moved to Florida to be her main caretaker, to be with her. And, you know, there was fear every, every day. I was experiencing deep amounts of fear and uncertainty because, yes, we we got this prognosis and we have this treatment and we're going to the doctors and we're doing the things, but there was never a point that we're like, this is certain. And I know because obviously I've been practicing, there's nothing that we can say, this will be it. You know what I mean? Like you do this and this will happen. There's always so much gray lines, gray in between everything. So something that I knew that I could count on that really got me through was my practice you know what I mean like the one thing that I know I can count on is this little bit of of foundation of safety that I have found that I have cultivated from many years of seated practice of retreat of developing single points of concentration of reading the texts of spending time with my teachers was that I was like okay the one thing I can do in this very moment is practice is breathe is take a moment is not believe the stories or not over identify with the fears or the uncertainties instead look at them and say okay what can I do now I can breathe I can be present and I can show up which is what I did so it was definitely the hardest year of my life thus far was Mm -hmm. this last year Um, and to think that it's so interesting now that I'm talking about it I'm like oh wow and we made it (laughs) so it's like okay there there's definitely a lot of deep breaths and you know thankfully she's almost done with her treatment and she's doing fantastic. And I do believe that having me having my practice and knowing that I could count on that. And of course, because of the surroundings, my practice changed every day, but I knew that it was a moment to moment practice. You know, it it wasn't like I could take a whole hour in the morning to sit. And I think that that's what sometimes people think, Oh, I'll meditate when I have time. And Mm. it's such a flawed belief that people just think, Oh, like I'll go on that retreat when I retire. I'm like, we hope we're going to be here, right? It's like there's this misconception that there's a guarantee that we're all going to wake up tomorrow. So what I, the only thing that I could do is to just moment to moment was breathe, reclaim a little bit of power, roll mm. my shoulders and ask, okay, what is the best use of my time right now? How can I redirect my thoughts so that I can be part of the solution so that I can at least be a place of ease 
and in spaciousness, not only for myself, but for my mom and my family. And it, it was, it worked. Of course, there were different days and different experiences, but I, that was the one thing that I, what I tell really all my clients and students, that's why I, I'm like, like everyone needs to meditate because it's the one thing you can count on is on yourself, on your breath, on your potential, on your ability to start again. And you only uncover that through practice, through meditation, through developing a connection to your breath. You know, I cannot stress that enough. It's like, just remember the breath is a, this like powerful, mysterious, transformative entryway to a whole other space that um, so many of us have no idea that it's, that it's inside of us. Yeah, I think that that was like a, a big thing that I was like, okay. And then it's interesting now to see, well, if I, if I made through that, I have, I can keep going, you know, through this, what's happening right now. And we do, you know, and we uncover so much resources that we have within us. And we really recognize that we are so deeply, innately resilient, you know? Yeah. We'll be right back. I wanted to let you guys know something really exciting. Enrollments for the brand new and improved Lit Up for Life membership are opening Saturday, the 25th of July. There will be seven full days for you to be able to enroll. And this membership is an affordable pathway for the awakened or awakening woman. Every single month, we're going to cover new themes like August. We're covering shadow work in September. It'll be sensuality and October. We're talking money and abundance. It's my mission to support you in up-leveling every area of your life through the only thing that really can, in my opinion, truly soulful self-love and spiritually sourced self-esteem. Every single month for around the price of a single yoga class and a smoothie, you're going to get an in-depth deep dive intro video for our month's theme, weekly guided practices, and a monthly live training with me, plus access to our community of other like-minded wonder women who are all completely devoted to healing and transformation. And as women, we really need these safe spaces to come together, to explore, unravel, and be reborn anew. And we get to do that together. This is a safe space for you to be seen and loved for who you are unapologetically. So if you are an awakened or awakening woman and you're walking this path alone or just want more tribe, community and epic tools that actually work to keep supporting you in transforming into the sexiest, most alive and embodied goddess that you are and can be then come and join us. Head to litupforlife.com, pop your email there and you'll be notified as soon as enrollments open. I'll see you there. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that, my love. And (laughs) I'm just so grateful to hear that your mom is doing well and so inspired by your love and your devotion, not only to her, but to the practice. And I think that's really the key difference when we go through hard things without a practice or any kind of spiritual practice, or we go through hard things with a practice and it's what I'm kind of hearing you say and and correct me if I'm getting this wrong is that like the certainty comes from the breath that is you know until it's not it is certain Mm -hmm. and the certainty comes from our capacity to choose the practice and I'm just seeing you and witnessing you in life um, choosing that practice so powerfully and it's really beautiful to hear that story because it 
it sounds like this prepared you for your practice club, which I know throughout here in California and Florida, I believe we were on a stay-at-home order. Like I know many people around the world, if you're listening Mm -hmm. from Australia, Europe, you know, most of the world was on the stay-at-home order and you very beautifully showed up every day, every morning on Instagram Live doing the practice club and sharing these tools and these practices. So that was really such an amazing gift for you to give. One question I had for you on kind of touching on this, like the the practices that you do is I feel like you're a real mantra queen. (laughs) I feel like you dish some amazing mantras, honey. And so I wondered, is there any mantras coming through for you right now on the topic of uncertainty Mm. and like breathing through it? Is there one that you're just using right now or that you were using then that's just like really gotten you through? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I often just like take a breath and say, I'm here now. It's like, Mm. it just changes because when we're so caught up on the stories and the fears and the uncertainty, it's like we're in a story that is in in our minds. It's either going to the past or going to the future, but it's in this moment that we have that little glimpse of potential to make a different choice. So I always just like breathe and say, I'm here now. I'm okay. I am enough. I can do this. You know, I can Mm. get through this. Um, and then sometimes I just say like, may I, may I be wise? You know, it's almost like I like to ask this, may I be wise? There's a, there's a, there's a connotation to the, this mantra that we say, may I be kind or may I live with ease that to me sounds almost as if like I'm asking, but it's almost like, may I be like, may I remember that this potential and this qualities are already within me. And I often think it's like, oh, sometimes I would say when I first started studying, I'm like, so, but who am I asking? Who, who am I talking to? And my teachers would just like, she would just say, you. And I'm like, me? You know, there's a sense of like, but really? And it's, it is this, this, this Buddha nature, you know, that's within mm-hmm. us. And people call it your soul, your higher self, your God. But that which we see outside of the people that we look up to, for example, right now I'm looking at a photo of His Holiness, the, the Dalai Lama, because I'm sitting in front of my brother's altar. So it's like the qualities that I see and admire in him also do live within me I'm just in the practice of uncovering day mm. by day so I think when we connect our mind to this words to the mantra it's just a remembering and our minds are thinking in thoughts they're thinking in words so using the power of words to redirect and energize that which what we want you know and it could just yeah. be so simple as like oh may I may I may I live with ease or may I find space may I be able to forgive um but when the moments of uncertainty, just reminding us that like, I'm okay, I can get through this. I have all that I need already within me is also a one that is coming up right now. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I do love mantras. I love that you're saying that because it's, <laughs> they've changed me completely. So yes. <laughs> yes, queen. I see you from one, from one mantra queen to another. That's right. Um, game recognized game. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I uh, actually got goosebumps when you said I'm here now just mm. you know the simplicity of it it really you you reminded me in that mm-hmm. moment you just mentioned actually something that I wanted to the, another thread I wanted to pull on you said I'm sitting in front of my brother's altar mm. and that's something that I find really interesting about you is that your family is 
like it's seemingly there's this crew of siblings that are you are all these like spiritual masters. So your brother Sa is also a spiritual teacher, and your mm-hmm. brother Mickey works with you guys both in your high vision club. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious to know, like, do you think there was something about your upbringing that created this environment? Is it karmic? Like, what's going on there? Yes, to both. I think that yes, def- <laughs> I mean, we definitely have a. Uh, we've had many lives together, to say the very least. You know, like we have, we definitely chose one another to be in this life. And from a Buddhist perspective, we did right because they're also my biggest teachers and my biggest sort of cheerleaders. So it's the constant like we're truly celebrating one another and we're also helping each other exercise our best quality. So it's a, it's this dance. And um, it's interesting because I feel that like something that happened that I personally recall from, from my upbringing is that obviously my parents were very busy. They worked a lot. Um, but there was this layer of like, I, I always felt safe and I always felt like I had a, I had a, I had a team, you know, I had a, I was part of a, of a little nook of people that like, regardless of what happened, they were there, you know, like I personally mm. felt like, oh, they got me, you know what I mean? Which, which yeah. I feel the sense of safety has helped me. I mean, I know that that has helped and, and changed me so much. Um, my mom always said like, you just, I just want you to be happy. You know, there was the one thing she's just like, I just want you to be happy. I remember like I tried many sports, music, and this and that. And we've done all kinds of things. And of course, it took me many years to find what I truly wanted to do. And everything really changed when we moved to the States. It was like a whole beginning from from the ground up. Um, But I always felt like we had each other. You know what I mean? No matter what, like, I know I can ring them at any time and be like, something's happening. I I do believe that this sense of, of, of safety of ground and foundation has supported my healing and transformation in the way that I teach tremendously. I think it's a huge part of, of who I am as a person. You know what I mean? Oh, of course. I mean, may all beings be blessed with a start that includes <laughs> safety, right? I think yeah. it's so, mm-hmm. so imperative. So bless your your mom and your dad for that. Yeah, it's so fascinating. I find that really interesting, the the karmic bond that is so present with you guys, even from, from someone on the outside looking in. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that you guys relocated from Brazil, mm-hmm. Brasileira. Yes. Uh, how, how old were you when that happened? And how do you think being like, how is Brazil? Brazil or your culture influenced you as a, as a teacher? Um, I was 16 when I moved to the States. Um, and I think that something that I feel is very Brazilian in me, even though I'm, you know, I, I feel like I've, and I, I've also traveled so much and I, I don't say, oh, I'm this. I do feel like there's so much in me, but there's this sense of like a connection to all beings. You know what I mean? Like in Brazil, growing up, I, I, I didn't, you know, speaking especially just to touch on like this racial movement that we're experiencing right now, I was so Mm -hmm. much was brought up to like my foreground of attention of like, what is racism? How have I been impacted? How have I been part of the problem? Like, what am I, you know what I mean? So just to touch on that, like when I grew up in growing up in Brazil, I actually didn't even know what the word racism was. Like there was never, you know what I mean? Like there wasn't so much of this, like, separation you're there I'm here I I don't remember I never felt that and I think that that affects me has has really made an effect in me that I I see potential in everyone and I feel that I can connect to everyone you know what I mean mm-hmm. um 
from like walking down the street and seeing a homeless person, perhaps they, I can't sit and talk to them at the moment, but I look at them and just wish them well and send them happiness just as much as I would to you or my mother. You know what I mean? It's, I think that there was a, I, I mean, really just because you asked, I'm making this connection right now. I think that that's something very, like Brazilians are very warm. Like they yes, talk they about are. everything. They hug all the time. They kiss all the time. They're very loud. They're just like on each other's business. <laughs> For people who don't know, um, Moon and I have this connection. I lived in Brazil right. um, as a young woman and I have a really deep connection to Brazil. Fala Portuguese. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I love what you said um, about walking and being able to sort of make eye contact with a homeless person and send them blessings. I know there was a pastor. I can't remember his name. I wish I could recall it. Uh, I'll try to and put it in the show notes. But it was on a podcast, I believe, just sharing about how one of the most important things is to not look away mm. from people's pain and particularly in regards to homeless people. So many people like won't look people in the eyes and how that's one of the most painful things is to not at least greet someone with the humanity of a smile and eye contact to really just look. So I wanted to tug that thread because I think it was really beautiful. Something that I noticed when living in Brazil, and I guess you this is our experiences are different because you know we're different people and also it sounds like you had a really beautiful loving um, family who who gave you a beautiful uh, education around what it is to love all beings but I, I actually really noticed a big divide not necessarily racially although I'm sure that is present there as well yeah. I noticed a big divide like class divides mm -hmm. And I guess I'm from Australia and there's definitely huge, huge issues with oppression and racism, particularly on the Indigenous Australian Australians. So not to say that that's not present there, it definitely is. Mm -hmm. But one thing that was really intense to witness was just the, the poverty, really. So do you think that, did that affect you in any way and, and your capacity, I guess, to potentially meet? Yeah, the feelings that arise around that or I don't know can you speak to that a little mm, yeah beautiful question you know I think that um now that I'm thinking about it it's like there's definitely a huge clash of like upper class middle class and lower class in in Brazil and I think that there was something very interesting to the fact that like we played on the streets with like all kinds of kids you know what I mean even if they didn't live in the neighborhood or if they did so like it wasn't like, this is who you are and these are the people that you hang out. We never really, it's, it's at least for my, I mean, my parents were very busy, but when they were around, it wasn't like there wasn't this way of separating so much. And I remember my dad used to be, we used to be a part of this shelter house with all these kids. And there were like homeless kids that they would just bring in and take care of them. And we would just go there on Sundays and like play with them, you know? And I think that that sort of also has kind of like made me, connect to people in a way you know what mm -hmm. I mean and obviously from studying Buddhism and spending so much time in India whatever residual of like like oh you're there I'm here that I, I continue to break that to do my best to break free from that because like you know especially when you're in India there isn't such a thing you're just like with everyone all the time and there's a lot of poverty there's a lot of diseases there's a lot of everything and um it's definitely a practice not to look away. And I think that I love, absolutely love that you brought that in because we just look away because we feel like it's too much. You know what I mean? We're conditioned to think, oh, it's too much or, oh, I don't know what to do. And sometimes you need to do nothing just to look at the person. It's like, I see you. 
there's another human right there having a human experience. It may just look a little bit different on the outside, but we're all really longing for the same things. You know, it doesn't matter where you live or what you do or, or what's happening on your outside, but the inside is that we're all longing to be free from suffering and to experience more happiness. And yeah, I think that it's like reminding myself of that and like doing my very best to walk through life. And when I do see myself close, I, I kind of come in and I'm like, so what's up? You know, like, mm-hmm. what, what happened? Mm-hmm. Um, what's going on, girl? You know what I mean? Like, what's up? What do we need right now? And it's always something that I need that I could just give myself a little bit more because then I, we fall back into this resource of being open and being accepting and embracing of all. Wow. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're touching on something so important and that's so particularly important for, for the Black Lives Matter movement that that is going on right now. And I, I don't want to speak too much to it only because I am not the right voice. I do want to honor it and acknowledge it in this conversation here, but I'm going to mm-hmm. definitely be having guests on black bodied leaders that can more eloquently educate us. Mm-hmm. But I just think what you're saying as a spiritual teacher and the incredible teacher that you are about the capacity to sit with our own pain mm-hmm. through the ability to check in with what we need in that moment and that idea that when we know that we have the capacity to resource ourselves internally that we are able to stay open without feeling sort of like crushed under the weight of either the pain around us or the pain inside of us which creates that avoidance that like we need to look away we need to turn away like and i just love what you're sharing about the fact that it seems like, you know, you're saying we all have this innate ability to, to, as Glennon Doyle would say, do hard things, to see hard things, to be with hard feelings. Yeah. It seems like that's almost been a theme from the beginning of this conversation. And I just, it's so beautiful and it's so important. So to speak to that a little bit, is there a tool? I love hearing you say that you kind of check in and that you have that level of intimacy with yourself. You're like, hey, go, what's up? Like, what do you need? Yeah. But is there a tool, like if someone was noticing themselves really looking away from the pain of the world right now, from the pain of the movements that really need us to be present and to take action. But we know that in order for us to do that, we have to feel resourced. And so if there are people that are feeling those kind of like patterns of avoidance and looking away from whether it's their own pain or the pain of the world or the pain of these movements, is there um, any tools or resources that you would point people to? Yeah. I mean, I love all of this. I I feel that there's that saying that people say, fill up your cup so that, you know, you go out and serve. And it's something really beautiful that happens when you do develop a meditation practice, when you do develop a true spiritual relationship with yourself, which is just to have an honest relationship and to be present. It's like when you take care of yourself, the natural next step, it is our altruistic nature just comes full power and you're just like driven to want to serve, to want to share and to want to be there for others. But we can't do that if we, we are still hooked on scarcity mentality. If we're still hooked on stories, like there's not enough, I'm not enough. I don't know what to do. There's so much going on, which is what's happening now. There's a Mm -hmm. lot. And of course, yes, there is a lot going on. Yes, there is a lot going on. And we can all do something. We can all do one thing, one day, and then another day. And it begins with taking care of our minds. It begins with checking our own beliefs. And I think that in the moment that you feel crunchy, it's checking in. So wait, what is this thought? But like, where is this coming from? Is there a part of me that believes that whatever it may be, that things need to be different, that I can't do this, or 
it's like and I think it's important for people to also know that when you meditate, when you stop to really like take inventory, there's so many beliefs that we're carrying that we likely don't even truly believe that it is true. We're just accepted them. It's like blindly taking on this big old rocks and carrying them in our backpacks. And now we're like, wait, but why do I feel so heavy? And why do I feel like I can't connect to anyone? Pause and look at yourself. Literally, like, look mm. at your shit. So as mm. blunt as it can be, look at your shit and be like, okay, what's going on here? And then from there, you go out and you relate from an open and accepting, embracing way. But we need to look at what's wrong to find what can be done. You know what I mean? It's not like we can't go yes. to this like, oh, everything's perfect. Everything's so great. No problem. Yes. And in this relative reality, a lot of things are not good. And there is a way out. I mean, I'm yes. going on a tangent because I've been talking about this with my client. Oh, but I love it. I think as uh, because we're, you know, touching on like the real meaning of spirituality, I feel that it's like almost like my duty. <laughs> and yeah. I feel so empowered by this because it's too easy to to go and straight up bypass. And like spiritual bypassing really is just to say, Ooh. oh, everything is perfect. No problem. Everything's good. Um, it's all okay. Whatever. Everything's perfect. This absolute reality that everything is perfect. Yes. And right now in this relative reality, a lot of really crazy things are happening and it is all of our responsibilities to do something about it. So I get, I get super heated and, and it's not heated. It's just like passionate. You know me, I'm yeah. full fire and I'm passionate. You lit up for life, honey. <laughs> exactly. That's why we're here. Lit up for life. Yes. I think, and, I, and I want people to know that we're not all going to show up the same way by no means. However, when you stop and spend time with yourself, when you develop a practice, maybe two minutes, five minutes, one hour that you just breathe, that you connect yourself, that you journal, that you move your body, you begin to uncover not only your superpowers, your well of knowledge, your wisdom, of compassion, and you're like, okay, so what can I do? Maybe it is for you to protest. Maybe it is for you to sign. Maybe it is for you to take a class or to call them one friend. I'm just speaking specifically right now to this ratio uh, movement that we're experiencing but that is that is for everything you know mm -hmm. every yeah. single one of us is here for a reason and there's something for all of us to uncover there's something for all of us to share there's something for all of us to grow through everything that we're experiencing so yes. it would just be too easy to be like oh that's happening out there I'm like no honey it's happening all around and within every single one of us so we need to take responsibility and think of this relative reality like what am i doing today and I'm not saying that we have to go out and, and do everything. I'm asking, I'm saying, I'm suggesting, I'm inviting even more openly and lovingly. I'm inviting people to just check in with themselves and do one thing every day. And if today you check in and you just need to rest, so you full body, full hearted say, I'm going to rest. But not like rest because you're numbing out from something else, you know? Um, yeah. I'm going to pause because, you know, saying. I could go out for hours about oh, this. But Good. Um, my love, like I said, you're lit up for life. It's what we're here for. I want to yeah. hear what you are lit about. And, I, and I'm right here with you, Queen. I'm like, what I'm hearing you say is, you know, be in the practice of taking care of yourself so that you can show up and take small steps consistently. And what I also am hearing you say, and when the crunchiness comes up, look at your shit, honey. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Inward. 
and get back in the practice again. And so I think that's really practical advice for anyone who is sort of feeling that like avoidant tendency um, Mm -hmm. that can come up and there's no shame in that. But just again, that's looking at our shit. If there's Mm -hmm. a part of you that's feeling overwhelmed or not sure what to do or afraid you're going to do or say the wrong thing, it's like looking at that because that is the work so that you can then, as you're saying, go out and take those small steps. And there are plenty, plenty of small steps to be had. And like I said, we're going to have more black-bodied leaders on here telling us um, and sharing with us their perspectives, not just on this, but of course, all the brilliant, wonderful things. So I also heard you share just briefly, you were talking about the flawed idea of scarcity and how that actually plays in into our ability or let's say lack of ability to be generous and to give. And I think I was hearing you say that in relation to this, but I think just in life, I I saw uh, a bit of your talk for the Chopra Center um, on the 10 perf- perfections of Tibetan yes. Buddhism. And I know one of them is generosity and you were touching on, yeah, that flawed idea that most of us have around scarcity. So I wonder if you could say a little more to that. Yes, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> So let me just give a little, just a bit of like, what are these 10 perfections? So for those of you that um, don't know, the 10 perfections in Buddhism, they're called the 10 paramitas, but the, they're being translated as 10 perfections. And why they're called perfections, it's because these are qualities that we can perfect. But in Buddhism, perfect, is, it doesn't mean that's the end. You know what I mean? You don't perfect something, you stop. Perfect just means that you're consistent, that you're determined, that you're doing it, that you are continuing. It's like this continuing cultivation and exploration and growth. So that's like, it's a perfection, meaning it's like there's there's a there's a commitment there. So the perfection... Like, if I dare, yes. dare add, it's like um, you don't achieve balance, you get good at balancing. So maybe it's oh. you don't attain perfection, you get good at being in the process of progress, dare I say. Please, perfect, perfect. Exactly. Thank you, my love. Um, so the, 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 the 10 perfections, the, these qualities, um, are qualities that are innate and available to every single one of us. Meaning you're here, you're breathing. These seeds, let's think about it as seeds, right? There's a garden. Let's imagine there's a garden in our minds, a garden in our hearts, and these seeds are there. And there's all kinds of seeds, karmic connections through past lives, whatever you want to call it. And if you don't believe in any of that, just believe that you come into this life with all kinds of seeds, whether it is virtuous seeds and non-virtuous seeds. Not to get too technical about the things, but just a little bit. Imagine this garden. So there are these seeds. These qualities are also those seeds. And the qualities are, first one is generosity, which I'm going to touch on. But they are such as generosity, patience, determination, virtue, love and kindness, equanimity, um, discernment. So it's, there, there are things that we are constantly cultivating and practicing and touching on. But, and what the Buddha says is that like, if we really devote ourselves to cultivating those qualities, not only do they support our practice, but the practice supports us in perfecting and balancing and rather activating, cultivating, exercising, watering those seeds so that we better relate to life and to ourselves. Meaning if I have a, if I have a mind that is constantly thinking about generosity, if I have this understanding, like what is generosity? I am going to lead my life from that place. And I feel that we think generosity, we think like, oh, give money or give food or give big things. But generosity truly means First of all, before I even go there, it is the first one because it's also said that it's the easiest that we can all 
practice that we can all cultivate, but we can because we can all give something. And mm. what I've been really reflecting on is again, we we've been conditioned to believe that there isn't enough, right? Because of this idea, like well, if I have a bigger house, I'll be happy. So meaning it's not enough. If I have a bigger job or if I have that body, if I have that thing, it constantly comes from this conditioned belief that something that is already in us or who we are in this moment is not enough. So I need something else. I need something more. I need something outside of myself, which solely comes from this scarcity mindset, from the scarcity tendency that shows up in all of our habits. And what if we were to just challenge that, to practice and to just take a look around and look, well, actually, I am already generous. I am already kind. I'm already, I already have this well. And generosity simply means that you, you, you know, you have enough. And I'm talking about, for example, giving time, giving space, giving love, giving forgiveness. Like for example, back to that story of walking down the street and seeing the homeless person, let's Mm. say like this morning, I went for a run. I see a homeless person. I don't have my wallet. I don't have any, anything. So I just looked at her I, we exchanged eye contact and in my mind, I gave her blessings. I gifted her, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe. That's what I mean. It's this practice that we cultivate that I'm like, oh, can I be generous right now and give her something? Oh, what can I give right now? I can give her blessings. I can give her eye contact. I can, you know, give a little smile. And I also love this idea of bringing generosity even more closely to us in an even more subtle and intimate aspect. It's like, can I be generous with myself, with my past, with this limiting beliefs that no longer serve me? Oh, wow. Yeah. Can I choose to forgive? Because when we, we think of generosity, it's not only things that we're giving, but we, are, we can all also see it as like creating space by letting go. So imagine you're being generous with yourself by letting go of these beliefs. And it starts mm. with believing something else. It starts with actually occupying your mind with something else. Like right now, can I, can I think that what I have is already enough? Can I think that this house that I have, this body, this home, this job is already enough? And me energizing that thought, that potential in my mind, in my heart, in my body, in every cell in my body, wouldn't you think that if I'm watering those seeds, they're going to continue to grow? So more potential, more abundance, more trust, more of all of this is going to happen. Um, Mm, And feel better in the process, right? (laughs) And give more and be more connected to others. So I just want to say one last thing. I think that when we start this, this, um, the practice, people think that it's something so grand, way out there, so far out. And it's like, it really just starts with like one step in front of the other. You notice one thought and then you kind of like say, but why this thought? Can I change it? Can I think it differently? Can I, you know, rewrite that story? Can I accept, forgive, move forward? And then from here, you start to take baby steps. And when you realize like, oh, I've rebuilt the home and I didn't even realize it. You know, I've cleaned out the whole side of that garden. I uprooted all those those weeds and I planted all new seeds and I brought it all these seeds in and in the process you're having so much fun because you're feeling truly alive and connected to others it's like win-win for everybody yes yes I love that so much and what I it's really doing for me and what I hope it's doing for all of you listening is just this expanding of our idea of what it means to be generous Mm -hmm. and hopefully getting us all into our curiosity moment to moment like you were saying you're checking in with yourself on that run and just checking in okay I don't have my wallet but like what can I give and even just 
opening ourselves to that question, I really believe curiosity always gives way to creativity. When we're open and we're like asking, usually an answer arises. So it's really beautiful to be in in the inquiry around that. And I'm going to practice that even more deeply this week. And I hope that each of you listening join me in that practice that Moon has so generously shared with us (laughs) of just, just, yeah, checking in and asking, yeah, how can I be generous in this moment and letting us all use our creativity Creativity to be more generous contributors, which I think is going to be really helpful for anyone feeling that overwhelm or avoidance, just like trusting and knowing that that you have gifts to give and that if you ask the question, something will arise within you. (laughs) So I wanted to, yes, Queen, I wanted to move into, I mean, I can't believe it feels like time flies. I've been in a vortex, just so appreciating all of your wisdom and, and all of your all of the love and the passion and the fire that you bring to life, which is exactly why I wanted to have you here because I, I know I know that about you and I love that about you. And so in the name of fire, mm. I'm going to oh. ask you some rapid fire questions, honey. I'm so scared. Are you scared? <laughs> <laughs> what do we do when we feel crunchy, honey? I'm like, okay, well, let's have fun. It's exciting. <laughs> it's like, it's so funny because you, you just said, and it's like, oh, no, all the side of fear, my loves, for all of you listening, it excitement so i just say okay i'm actually excited it's just a little bit of new and like so yes let's do it (laughs) what do they say it's like the difference between excitement or like nervousness is just it's really just like am i approaching the thing or am i or is it an avoidance it's like Mm. i'm feeling the same feelings in my body my heart is racing the stimulus is the same something new is about to happen but it's like what is the subtle thing between that makes the difference between whether we're approaching the moment or avoiding it. I don't know, breath, maybe? Like, what is that? Yeah. Anyway, Moon just did it in real life time. She went, <laughs> she's approaching, right? <laughs> Here we go. That's right. Let's do it. She's ready. <laughs> so someone comes to you and they're feeling really down and you can only give them one piece of advice. What do you say? Take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. Ah, and smile. If I could just add one last thing, just yeah. give a little smile. Yeah. Yes, queen. Oh, yes. Thank you. What's the most important thing for a successful relationship? Mm. Relationships of any kind, really? Communication. Ding, ding, ding. Mm-hmm. Your spirit animal? I'm going to go with a, a lion, but also a horse. I don't Ooh. know. Uh, I'm going to say a horse right now. Like a okay. beautiful brown horse. Mm, I don't yeah. I see that. Freedom is strong. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? To make people laugh anytime. Oh, I love that one. That's I'm hearing cool. it for the first time. <laughs> see, curiosity, you held empty and look, That's there you right. go, the creativity arises. Yeah. Um, if you could only take one spiritual practice, just one tool with you to a desert island, what would it be? Sorry to do that to you. Yeah, um, I would say breath work, yeah. Mm. Single-pointed concentration. It's like meditation, but it's really the focus on the breath. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. foundational. Mm-hmm. Mm. Feeling that. What's your favorite thing that you own? Oh, I don't own a lot of things, honestly. I'm, I'm, I'm always kind of like like selling things or donating and getting new things. But um, I've had this mala. I'm actually holding it right now. It's a, a 
Amala that my brother actually brought it for me the first time that he went to India and I've had it ever since. It's been six years. Mm. So I think I would say this. It's like it's always a powerful reminder. Like that's why you have it. Not only you use the beads to count the the chance, but it's it, it's used as like a reminder when things feel like you're too much there's too much going on or the mind has gone on a story. I can, you know, hold it and remind myself of like, okay, there's a practice, I have a practice, I have a potential. So I'm gonna say this this mala. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, Queen, I would have said the same thing. That like resonates so deeply with me. Yes. Um, That's probably one of the only things I was sad to lose, like truly sad to lose in the fire, Mm. letting that go. But I will say it's beautiful to hear you share on on why it is it special to you because I feel like it is. it was also for me that reminder of like who I am and and the practice. So that's so beautiful. Mm. Uh, Something you believe is true that other people think is a little crazy. Might be a lot crazy. <laughs> um, that everyone is innately good. Mm. Everyone, every, 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 everybody. Not one person is not. <laughs> I'm with you there. If you could eat one meal before you die, what would it be? Oh, I'm gonna say a vegan grilled cheese <laughs> on a delicious, Yum. on a delicious sourdough with tomatoes. Ooh. <laughs> Speak my language, Dijon mustard. Just, just a yeah, question. sure, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's your last meal, honey. I'm just, I'm just over here drooling. Yeah. Uh, last one. If there was a universal, this is kind of like a, a twist on Tim Ferriss's billboard question, but if there was a universal answering machine mm. that you could leave a 15 second voice note on that, like everyone in the world was going to hear today, few words or sentences, what would you say? Hi, my love. Yes, I'm talking to you. I love you. Yes, I see you. You are good. Mm. The past does not define who you are. And you are enough. Mm. Thank you for choosing you and choosing to do you one more day. Mm. I think that's it. (laughs) Damn, Queen. Wow. My whole nervous system just relaxed. Thank you (laughs) so, so much for sharing your time, your wisdom, for being so generous with your spirit with us here today Mm. and also just out in the world. I see you, sister, and I just deeply bow to you and appreciate you. Well, you see me is in you, my love. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for your beautiful and powerful questions. And this has been an incredible conversation i could definitely just sit here and talk for hours so thank you and i love you i love you queen until next time until next time that's it for today and if you missed our free live event the primal priestess masterclass last weekend it was deep and wildly transformative but never fear if you did miss it because you can still catch the replay just make sure to head over to litupforlife.com and enter your email there we'll send you the access to that plus a whole bunch of my other free and most life-changing content and don't forget if you subscribe rate and review the podcast you're going to go into the draw to win a free game-changing coaching session with me that we're going to draw at the end of next month stay lit 